Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, provided by Living Stream Ministry and featuring the ministry of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee. Witness Lee served the Lord faithfully for more than 70 years, culminating with his exhaustive commentary on the entire scriptures called Life Study of the Bible. Today, we're happy to bring you recorded excerpts from his ministry, along with some of our own considerations. At the end of the program, we'll give you the website where you can find more about the remarkable ministry of these two men. But for now, please enjoy today's program. If one were to take a poll of Bible scholars throughout the centuries as to which of the four Gospels is the most important, very few would probably pick the Gospel of Mark. In many ways, it's overshadowed by the grandeur of Matthew, the depth of John, or the magnitude of Luke. In fact, to many non-scholars, Mark is mainly thought of as a collection of their favorite Bible stories that are good for children and new believers. But if our eyes are enlightened, as Paul the Apostle prayed in Ephesians, then we can obtain a controlling vision from the pages of Mark, a vision of the life lived by the wonderful God-man Jesus, a life that was 100% according to and for God's New Testament economy. Bob Danker has joined us as we begin today a kind of a revisit of the life study of Mark, of the book of Mark. And Bob uh, Witness Lee gave this life study, I think, back in the early 80s. He finished the course, so to speak, covering all 16 chapters, which we now have just uh, recently completed ourselves. Then he spent uh, another 15, 20 messages coming back through a second time and really focusing in on the very thing we're going to be talking today about, and that is this matter of the kind of life that is depicted, unveiled in the God-man Jesus, so that we're not just seeing um, simple Bible stories here, are we? We certainly are not, Chris. Through the ministry of our brother, we can really have an intrinsic view of the living of the Lord as portrayed in the four Gospels, including Mark, which is maybe the most simple of the four, but yet so profound. What we see in this gospel is a person, and this person lived a life on this earth that was much higher than merely a moral life or a life of doing good. This life lived by the Lord Jesus was a life that was absolutely according to God's economy and for the accomplishing of God's eternal economy. Everything he did, everything he spoke was for a purpose and that was to carry out the economy of God. Bob, as we come back today, we go back to the very beginning of this gospel. We'll look in chapter 1 again and see that as such, as this one who was according to, for, after, 100% God's economy, that also entailed a kind of a replacing, a sort of a uh, doing away with the old dispensation that was represented by the Old Testament things. And this is uh, now, I think, becomes very clear that when we go back to the beginning of the Gospel of Mark, we can see this even in uh, the account of John the Baptist, can't we? That's right. This is the beginning of a new dispensation, a real change from the old to the new. Why don't we look at a couple of verses here in Mark chapter 1 as we prepare to uh, join Witness Lee. 
Verse 4 says, John came baptizing in the wilderness and preaching a baptism of repentance for forgiveness of sins. And John was clothed in camel's hair and had a leather girdle around his loins, and he ate locusts and wild honey. Verse 7 says, He preached, saying, He who is stronger than I comes after me, the thong of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I have baptized you in water, but he himself will baptize you in the Holy Spirit. So there's a lot in this first chapter that gives us a vivid picture. We've just selected a couple of verses, Bob, but really John the Baptist, who in many ways should have just grown up a typical priest, he was raised in a priestly family, had this uh, heritage, and uh, according to his birthright as in the Jewish situation, he should have been just a proper priest, but his presentation is altogether uh, non-traditional to say the least, isn't it? To say the least. All right, here's Witness Lee with our first portion. In this book of Mark, we could see a person there fully according to and for God's New Testament economy, living in a new dispensation. This is clearly revealed in chapter 1, how John the Baptist, born a typical Old Testament priest, He lived in a wilderness. He didn't live a priest life. He lived, apparently, a life quite wild. His appearance was wild. His food was well food. And his clothing was wild. How well it was that he put every repentant one into water. Surely that is not nice. I don't think a gentleman would put people in the water in front of the public. He was well. That was an indication that the old dispensation was fully terminated. In this kind of a situation and under this kind of a atmosphere, Jesus came in to begin his ministry. And this indicates that his ministry was in a New Testament dispensation. Nothing of the old. He was no more any part of the first man, but the second man, the new one. He had no sin for him to repent of, right? And he had no oldness for him to bury. But still, he got baptized. To tell the entire universe, he rejected himself. He put himself aside to live by God. Bob, I'd like to maybe talk about a couple of things here. First, this person, John the Baptist, who was raised up to be the forerunner to come before the Lord Jesus. Why such a dramatic, you know, departure from the traditional activity of this young priest, number one. And then number two, the significance of the Lord Jesus, this one who was without sin, free of sin, yet he also had to be baptized. Maybe you could touch both of these. Well, it's really interesting to see how John was living in a way that was absolutely different from the way the priests lived. The priests served God in the temple. They wore the priestly garments, and they ate the priestly food. Right. But John was absolutely the opposite. He served in the wilderness (laughs) and not in the temple, and he wore a garment of camel's hair, (laughs) not a garment of fine linen. 
and he ate locusts and wild honey, not the uh, priestly diet. So John was, uh, as Witness Lee says, he was a, a wild person in terms of what you would expect from a man who descended from the priestly family. And he did a wild thing. He baptized people. He <laughs> took people and he put them into water as a sign that he was terminating them and burying them. This was, a, in a sense, a wild act that John carried out here. And then when the Lord Jesus came to him with uh, nothing to repent of, of course, John preached the gospel of repentance. Mm-hmm. He proclaimed that men should repent for the kingdom. Then those who repented, he baptized. So the Lord Jesus came to him with nothing to repent of, no sin, and nothing of oldness of the old man and the old creation. Yet he submitted to John's baptism. That was a another sign, a wonderful sign, that the Lord Jesus would not live by the old life of the old creation, his natural created human life. He would reject himself in his humanity, put himself aside, and live by God who was living within him. Now, this is a living that God desires that every man would have. This is a living in God's economy, a living not by the self, whether good or bad, not a life of good or evil, but a life of living out God and expressing God. So when the Lord was baptized, he declared to the universe that he would live this kind of life, and this is a life in the economy of God. So the combination of these things, this radical departure that we see in John, both in his manner of living and in the acts that he carried out, this baptizing people, placing them in water, all of these things, really indicating that God was making not just a veering to a different direction, but he was completely changing directions in terms of the dispensation that we're now being ushered into, right? That's right. The old dispensation, which was the age of the law, the law of Moses with its moral commandments and its ceremonial regulations, really depended upon man's created life, the natural human life. But the new dispensation depends not on man's natural life, but on the divine life. And so if we want to live in the New Testament economy of God, we need to reject our natural life, our self. Whether we're a good person or a bad person doesn't matter in the eyes of God. If we want to live in God's New Testament economy, we need to live by the divine life, the very life of God himself. All right, let's go on. We're going to continue this uh, reconsideration of the Gospel of Mark. And in this portion, we're going to hear Witness Lee really very briefly touch many of the things that the Lord Jesus accomplished in the order they're presented in Mark, because the order, very significant in this Gospel. This was the actual historical order of events, and so we want to see them in that context. But not just in the way of random events that he was accomplishing and random miracles that he was performing in his ministry, There's a very definite and direct point to all of the things that we'll hear in just a moment. So let's go back to Witness Lee for that. Right after his baptism, he was thrust into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit. From that time onward, in his whole life on this earth, he lived and he moved and he worked in the Holy Spirit. 
under such a life, under such a move, under such a work, he praised the gospel. So so the incarnated God as the seed for the kingdom of God. I like this. What he preached, he preached to sow the seed. And that seed was just God incarnated. Number two, he preached to teach the truth. What is this? This is to enlighten, to darken mankind, and to disperse their darkness. And number three, to cast out demons. This is to spread the kingdom of God. Number four, to heal the sick. And this is what? This is to make the dead alive. Then, number five, to cleanse leper. And this is to sanctify the unleavened ones. He lived such a life. And he did such a work. Isn't this marvelous? It's nothing old. Then... Well, he was carrying out such a service. He was binding Satan and plundering his kingdom. And uh, he always was denying his natural relationship. At the same time, he suffered the world's rejection, hatred, and killing, martyrdom. At the same time, he exposed Men's inward evil condition. Then he presented himself as a bride of life, as uh, the life supply to his seeking one. And then he healed the organs of the enlivened. Then he revealed himself to be the universal and entire replacement through his all-inclusive death and wonderful resurrection. We all have seen this. Bob, here was a a marvelous overview, kind of a synopsis of the Gospel of Mark. He mentioned maybe something like a dozen items. All of the miracles, all of the Bible stories that we associate with Mark fit into these categories. And I think the value here that we're really coming to today is uh, not just marveling over how many things, but to see them as an aggregate, as a, a completion of his work, really brings us to something far more profound than just an appreciation for a lot of individual Bible stories, doesn't it? It certainly does. We need to see these aspects of the Lord's work and his move in relation to his living a life that accomplished God's economy. When the Lord preached the gospel, for example... He did not just proclaim the glad tidings so that men could be saved from God's judgment, from hell, as we as often said. The Lord proclaimed the gospel to sow God himself as the seed Uh into human beings, to impart God into their being as a seed, so that that seed could take root in them and grow up to become the kingdom of God. Now, this is very profound, and this is absolutely in line with God's economy. God's economy is is something of the divine life. It's not just an outward activity. It's God himself 
being imparted into man through the preaching of the gospel, through the proclaiming of the word of God, and then growing in man to become the kingdom of God. That's the economy of God. And this is the work the Lord did. Then he taught the truth, not just to keep man from his wrong understanding of things, Mm -hmm. but mainly to enlighten men because they were in darkness. They didn't know God. They didn't know God's eternal plan or God's purpose or God's heart. They needed light. And that's what the Lord was doing when he was teaching the truth. He was enlightening the darkened mankind. And then he cast out the demons. Of course, the demons we know are Satan's evil workers. They possess men for the kingdom of Satan. So when the Lord cast them out, he brought in the kingdom of God. Right. This is something deeper, not just to free the the tormented ones from their torment under the demon's possession, but to bring in God's divine kingdom, where in that situation, Satan's kingdom had been. So we can go through all of these things, the healing of the sick, the cleansing of the lepers. All these are wonderful, miraculous deeds, which we appreciate as we read through this gospel. But we need to see something more intrinsic. We need to see that the Lord was actually carrying out God's economy. While he was doing all these marvelous things, they were not just wonderful miracles. They were his gospel work and service to God for the accomplishing of God's economy. The last item he mentioned is this matter of being the universal replacement. Now, this may sound a little abstract to some of our listeners, but it's very real. And the keys to see this and and to be brought into this view are there in Mark. We saw it even in John the Baptist as we were talking about him in the previous section. Now, another passage from Mark that Witness Lee uses to emphasize this point or illustrate it is the situation or the event on the Mount of uh, Transfiguration. That's when the Lord was there with his disciples and they had this incredible vision of Elijah and Moses standing and talking to the Lord and Peter makes his great proposal, you know, we'll build tabernacles to all three and then, of course, the Father comes in, clears the situation. Elijah and Moses disappear and the Father from heaven says, this is my beloved son, hear him, really giving him the preeminence. So all of this is indicating, again, a complete kind of replacement of the old things, the old approaches. And the replacing element is the Lord himself, but really as the central figure in God's economy. Exactly, Chris. God's economy is to replace everything and every person with Christ. That is his economy. Bob, let's go back to Witness Lee for our final segment. I like this portion a lot. Let's look at two quick verses from Proverbs, verse 18 in chapter 29 of Proverbs, where there is no vision, the people cast off restraint. And then earlier in Proverbs, in chapter 4, verse 18, says, but the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn, which shines brighter and brighter until the full day. So this shining light getting ever so brighter and a controlling vision that really preserves God's people is the central point we want to see in our last segment. Then what? He accomplished his all inclusive death to bear sins, condemn sin, crucify the old man, terminate the old creation, destroy Satan, judge the world, abolish ordinances. At the same time, he released the divine life. While he was doing this, he entered into his wonderful resurrection to regenerate his followers, 
and germinate the new creation. Then he remained in his all-surpassing ascension to execute what he has accomplished through his death and resurrection. And uh, this book shows also, while he was doing this, he has brought his followers into his death and ushered them into his resurrection to enjoy him in his ascension. Marvelous. By doing this, by dying and by being resurrected and by bringing all his followers into his death and resurrection, he brought forth the new man. And this new man is the reality of the kingdom of God. And then eventually, this new man, as the reality of the kingdom of God, will consummate in a new Jerusalem, a new heaven, new earth. Hallelujah. This will be the eternal destiny. And this ended the revelation, ended the holy writings. Have you got it? I like that you all could be deeply impressed. Dear saints, you know, the vision from God always directs our steps and it controls our life. In the Old Testament, the Word says, without vision, people will be very loose. But under the heavenly vision, our steps will be directed towards God's destination. And our life will be fully controlled under His economy. I hope that we would consider the Gospel of Mark is not just a Gospel storybook, but it is what? A heavenly vision that directs our steps and controls our life. Here is a person who was the God-man. He lived, he worked, and he moved, and he acted absolutely step by step according to God's New Testament economy. How about this? Bob, it strikes me that what we're talking about here is really a, a revolutionary way to look at this book, and especially the way it concludes here. Jesus as the God-man, all of these things, this long, long list, now probably more than 20 items now, all of these things were the result of a person who was living the divine life, but also living it under a kind of controlling vision. And that same vision is available to us today, isn't it? It is, Chris. Of course, that vision is in the Bible. But when we read the Bible, such as the Gospel of Mark, we may just see the Bible stories right. and be impressed with them. But actually, we need to see a heavenly vision whenever we touch the Word. And I am appreciative. I'm so grateful to the Lord for this ministry that opens up the Word in such a way to give us the panoramic view of what's really taking place, the scenery behind the scenes, so to speak, (laughs) the spiritual and divine view of the life of this wonderful God-man who lived absolutely for the accomplishing of God's economy, doing everything for this purpose and this purpose alone. And when we see this vision of God's eternal economy 
accomplished by Christ in his incarnation, human living, crucifixion, resurrection, and now in his ascension. He remains in his ascension to carry out everything that he accomplished in his incarnation, human living, crucifixion, and resurrection. We see these things. This is for the dispensing of God into man to build up the church as the body of Christ, the kingdom of God, then to consummate the new Jerusalem. Then our life is affected by this. We can't live the way we used to live. Our life is governed, controlled, in a direction, a proper direction, that is, the direction and the destination that God has ordained for us as his people. Well, we will latch on to this vision, this controlling vision, and it will really be our guide, I think, through these uh, next programs as we linger for some time in this Gospel of Mark, seeing it, I think, in such an uplifted way. As you said, we're so grateful to be able to uh, handle the Word of God through the light that we're provided in this ministry to open it up in a way that I think, you know, certainly surpasses what we were ever able to do on our own. Absolutely, Chris. Well, Bob, I'm sure you'll join me in recommending to our listeners there's still time to contact us so that you can get the printed Life Study volumes yourself and dive into these matters in much more depth and detail than we can on the radio. We hope you'll contact us. Our toll-free number is 1-888-LIFE-STUDY, 888-543-3788. Join us for our next program as we continue this life study of Mark. For Bob Danker, I'm Chris Wilde. Thank you very much for listening today. We hope you enjoyed this program. For more information on Witness Lee and Watchman Nee, please visit our website, lsm.org. Again, that's lsm.org. Thanks for listening today.